0: Welcome everybody to a special episode of the Top Gaming Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Robin. Robin, how have you been?
1: Doing great as usual. Nothing nothing out of the ordinary, I guess.
0: (laughs) Nothing out of the ordinary, (laughs) you guess, apart from being able to interview our special guest. I don't even know where to begin. uh, Actress extraordinaire, uh, Miss Jennifer Hale. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, Dennis. Thank you, Robin. It's a joy to be here. It is
0: an honor. It truly, truly is. Um, I, I think, I don't know, I, I can't do any justice with like explaining to the listeners who, I guess, may not know who you are. They've definitely heard you before, that's for sure. So if you can just <laughs> tell them uh, your line of work and what you've done.
2: Well, I'm an actor. Ah. Actress, uh, voice actress, and a do-on camera as well. But the bulk of my career has been voice acting in cartoons, commercials, um, games, narration. I did a couple audio in the last year plus. And uh, I think I'm best known. I don't know what I'm best known for. People <laughs> know for me all sorts of things. Some people are like, "Oh my God, you were in all these cartoons when I was growing up," and I'm like, "Thanks." And that's a mixed thanks because oh my god I love it and wow when you were growing up wow okay I'm older (laughs) and then um and then games is probably a huge when I do have a Guinness record I've done um more games than any other female on the planet which is pretty cool a wide variety of stuff everything from little indie stuff to a bunch of triple a titles and stuff and everywhere in between I've always found
0: that like really um fascinating how like your library like of stuff is so diverse like it's everything from like big triple a stuff to like new indie stuff like how do you how do you like find the time or pick and
2: choose (laughs) like I'm still wrestling with time, time. And I have a mixed relationship. I tend to overextend and then I have to pull back and literally just sit for a while. And then I get excited and go out again and I hit the wall. I don't ever hit the wall, like flop. I hit the wall, like pow. So, um, you know, I get a little excited. I have a huge appetite for life and it can be a little exhausting. Um, but I, I, I think the f- people ask me a lot what my favorite role is that I've done and I don't have an answer for that. The answer that I do actually have is the favorite thing about my career is the diversity of my career. Like everything from Commander Shepard in Mass Effect or Naomi Hunter in Metal Gear to um, Princess Morbucks or, you know, in Cartoon Network's uh, Powerpuff Girls or mm-hmm. Number 86 and Codename Kids Like George. You know, Black Hat and Spider-Man. and all kinds of these crazy wide variety of roles, which I love so much. That was intentional. I actually set out to create diversity in my career because I've been doing this since I was a teenager. And the one thing that I learned early on, which is you're gonna be in fashion and out of fashion. And it's very rarely, if ever, personal. Has little to nothing to do with your talent. So you squirrel and you save your money when you're working and you live off your savings when you're not, and you diversify. I remember when I moved to LA, my first audition in VO was, um, I had been there for about two years and I was working in on camera, but not enough to produce steady income at that point and make a a living. Um, And I made a, I had been, I'd done a ton of voice work before I moved to LA. And I made a tape at the time, at that time, it was a tape. um, (laughs) A literal cassette tape. yeah, 1993, um, just to bring in some cash, right? And my first audition was for a cartoon. And I was not allowed to watch cartoons as a kid. I was like, uh, okay, I don't know what this is, but I'm I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to do my absolute darn best because it was the first audition my new agents had gotten me. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, all this pressure that we put on ourselves, right? And so I went and I just jumped in purely on instinct, purely on instinct. And... Um, and ended up booking my first animated series, which was Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego. Wow, it was, what a first gig. It, it was crazy. I was so terrified. And I jumped into training. I jumped into every animation class I could find. Incredible teachers like Chris Zimmerman and Charlie Radler <laughs> and Sue Blue. And I met D. Baker, D. Bradley Baker, in um, both of those classes. And I stalked him because he was so talented and I just was adored him as a human being. And I was like, I want you to be with my agent. I want you to be. <laughs> I was so pushy. And he is to this day, which I, I take great joy in that fact. Um, and uh, so basically, I was really in fashion and animation in terms of booking leads in cartoon series over and over and over. And I I had my previous experience of being in fashion and out of fashion. So I thought, okay, I'm going to really buff up and really brush up my commercial stuff while I'm working here so that, you know, if I do need to go on the shelf, I'll have commercials. But at the same time, I turned myself into a utility player so that when they brought me in for cartoons, um, you know, like when the next person's turn was the one to be the one who got all the leads in the cartoon series, like I was still there. Only this time I was giving you five different roles per episode or I was three recurring characters or I was, you know, so I could just feed myself and pay my rent mortgage, you know? (laughs) I didn't have a mortgage for a few more years. Uh, save up for a house is really what I was doing because I love real estate. I always joke that I have a Guinness record because I love real estate because um, <laughs> I would just say yes to work because I just needed, I wanted to buy a home. I really wanted a home. And um, so, yeah, that's that was my, my beginning. That's the genesis of my career. Like, how did you,
0: it feels like, uh, like for creatives, it, it's kind of risky because it's not like... Um, there's no safety net, right? Like you're you're taking a leap of faith. Oh. Like what gave you the the gusto to be like, you know what? I'm gonna because I know it can be really rough. Like being a creative, oh. there's like months of like nothing. What made you go? You know what? I I I know this is my calling or whatever. Like I I I know I'm good enough. I know I'll get extra roles. I can survive oh. these next four months
1: of of noodles. I didn't have
2: that. I didn't have that feeling. I just did it, and it's so funny. Like. You know, we talked about, before I came on, we spoke briefly about my, my venture, Skills Hub, which um, I've created to connect actors with great coaches and stuff, and to connect indie content creators with new actors and all that. Like, I've, It's a connection point. I have also have a second venture, which is a Patreon, which is a tiny little thing, but it's it's to help people in all walks of life, not just creatives, but very much creatives, survive the life of a creative. Because it is, to answer your question, It was rough it was rough psychologically really rough especially because i didn't come from a place of having any kind of solid foundation um my family was not a solid foundation it was just not um it was not a foundation well that's not true it was obviously all families are a foundation (laughs) this summer just built on sand (laughs) um wonderful you know my i have a couple of dads who rotated in and out and they were lovely people but um my path was not that so i had to work really really hard for um, psychological stability throughout that process of what people describe as rejection. And I experienced it like rejection, right? Because on the surface, that's what it looks like. (laughs) And you have to teach yourself. And I taught myself, it's not rejection. Number one, you're in the pond and you're playing, which is one of the bravest things a human can do. The bravest. Number two, it teaches a stack of life lessons that is like you know inner evolution on steroids um and number 3 i got a ton of support i pursued that support and spent the money on that support which is why i started my patreon i'm like look in my patreon i always say i am not a i'm not a therapist i'm not a financial expert i'm simply a human being who has had lots of road rash i've made great decisions and terrible decisions and i've paid a lot of money in the healing of myself and the learning of my life. And my hope is that I can share in here what I've learned along the way in case it's useful to you, you know, and to create a safe space. And we have three pillars in there. One is reconnect you to your gut. Two is um, let's get you what you want. And first, let's get you connected to what you actually want. Now, are you wanting what you think you should want? Like that's a whole conversation, right? And number three is we are the ones we've been waiting for no one is coming to do this for us. You know? So that conversation lives inside Patreon. But that, um, that is, it's a journey, man. It's a, one of the most important things I've ever found. The thing that kept me, a couple things kept me the sanest in that process. And one is, um, one is the idea of what you, there's a great book called What You Say When You Talk to Yourself. And that is everything. Your relationship with yourself is everything. It is the foundation of everything. Um, I was not a person who was so insanely confident that I was like, look out world, here I come. You know, (laughs) that was not me. (laughs) I was like, I just have this drive to do this. And I have a business degree. I I went to university for a few different things. I started on a theater scholarship and then I, I switched over to broadcasting because the theater style just didn't work for me. And shortly after I left that program, I got my first audition for a film. And I was like, okay, this acting makes sense to me. This style is my style. This is my thing, right? Because they're all different styles, right? Mm-hmm. And um, then I i was already working in the industry though. I started working at a production studio when I was what, 17. And um, so I really didn't need the broadcast degree to break in, I was already in. And I ended up going, okay, I'm spending money on university. I need to invest well with my university dollars, so I'll get a business degree. And I remember sitting in, I don't know if it was accounting or statistics or organizational behavior, one of those classes, and going, uh, uh," like fanning myself, can't quite (laughs) breathe, going, no, 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 I can't sit in an office. I can't, I am not a person designed to be in an office from nine to five. Oh my God, oh my God, I feel like I'm in prison. Oh my God, oh my God, I can't do the nine to five you know but at the time it was ironic because I was already making a living acting I got my first um voice acting gig while I was still in high school and I think it was in high school yeah no I was in high school and I um I remember being blown away that they paid me I forget if it was 30 or 35 dollars to talk and I was like wait what and I pestered the guys at, at Boutwell Studios, Greg and Courtney, I pestered them, they were a morning radio team and they worked at the audio studio and they were lovely to me, uh, and Nancy who ran the place, um, and my mentor Jane Trexel, she was the one who really opened my eyes to that this was even possible. I think she made the intros to me even being in that world. Um, and um, I remember pestering them to help me make a demo. And this is a really huge piece of advice, advice, alert, advice, alert for people who want to do this. Um, I, in the beginning, people will take a class and make a demo right away. Imagine if you will, a bell, right? And how steep this, if you've seen a bell curve, if you haven't imagine a bell and the sides of that bell are quite steep. And then as you get to the top of the bell, it begins to level off. Like you're getting near the top of the bell, right? Learning this craft is a lot like that. What you learn, you jump really fairly, when you do it regularly, you jump fairly quickly in your skills in the first, you know, year or two. And I remember making a reel and listening to it two months later, and I could hardly listen to it. It was terrible. I was like, I'd learned so much. I thought, well, uh, that was a waste of my money. So I did it again. And the same thing happened two months later. (laughs) It just kept (laughs) happening three or four iterations of that reel. I was like, oh my God, I can't even listen to that. So I advise people, again, advice alert. I advise people, make a reel on your home setup. You know, make yourself a pretend reel. And keep working out. Every, you know, every day, every week, whatever your workout commitment is, keep learning. Again, go on Skills Hub, acting.skillshub.life. That's why we built it. Um, We'll talk more about that in a minute. But um, go on to Skills Hub and get some training. Or go somewhere and get some training. And then go back in like 60 or 90 days and listen to that reel you made. And if you can listen to it and honestly say, yeah, I'm not good, I'm same level of skill. Okay, then go pay someone to make your reel. But most likely you'll listen and go, oh my God, <laughs> I'm so much better than that now. And once you get to the point where you listen back and you go, hey, I could have done these four things better, or these few things better, or this don't use the number four, 12 things, whatever. This few things I could have done better. But all in all, it's pretty good. Then go pay someone to make a reel for you. Don't waste your money in the intro
1: good advice, I think not just in VA but everywhere.
0: True, true, true. Mm-hmm. Even the the confidence thing, I guess, has kind of spoken to me a bit because I, I oscillate between <laughs> feeling confident in like what I do and what I don't. So it like,
1: yeah.
0: um, have you gotten to the point where you are like, y- like, you are confident in like your work? Like, if any job came your way you'd be like you know what i i can do this
2: i have and i still have moments where i'm like oh is that random i don't know (laughs) the difference is when i feel don't have that confident feeling about my work i don't go to i shouldn't be doing this i go to you know what this might not be my job this might be Gray Delisle's job or Kari Walgren's job or, you know, Tara Strong. you know, this might be somebody, or D. Baker's job, you know, this might be somebody else's job. This might not be me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's where I go now. I don't take it personally because I no longer exist in my work. I know that sounds weird, but I no longer exist. I am simply a channel for whatever creative force is going to show up, you know? That's all I'm here for.
0: I just want to pivot from that to like um because i do want to ask like how um a a new artist uh can like learn from or like what i guess like what advice or what steps uh they could take to become a professional uh voice actor especially like for um actors aspiring actors in our region where we don't really have a an industry per se but at least we have like a few indie game studios here and there
2: yeah. um maybe
0: yeah. like I guess the the biggest work you could get for voice acting here is like ads and stuff like that uh, maybe yeah. even like movies like our movies are slowly doing better we just I just we, we got a can award for like best international film uh recently so that's pretty cool so yeah so that, I guess that's where the opportunities lie but obviously the competition's stiff so like uh what steps do you think could could uh could they take for that cuz i'm i'm assuming like where you grew up it wasn't i don't i don't think you grew up in la right like that's where like most of the voice acting is done right
2: yeah I, I didn't even know voice acting i well i on i i went to a fine arts high school you know and went to a did the theater department of my high school and i didn't know voice acting was a job <laughs> i didn't <laughs> know it till you know my boyfriend at the time's mom did it and and she's still one of my friends to this day she's a gorgeous human being and i um i was introduced to it through her she opened the door and i ran in and (laughs) started doing stuff but part of my part of my path doing stuff was doing there were no age it was in birmingham alabama and there were no agents in town and i made a list of ad agencies that used voice actors and i would cold call them on a schedule and it was nauseating. <laughs> Every two weeks I'd pick up the phone, and be like, and I'm still a teenager. And I would like put my hair up in a little bun and put on a suit and go, and I was terrified. But to circle back to confidence for a minute, confidence I think is, it. I find it a very annoying term. I find it a ridiculous standard that many of us fall up against and beat ourselves up with. I think courage is much more useful. I think just to have the courage to take those risks, to put your heart out there. And when your heart is not received for a particular job, don't take it personally. Your job was not to get the job. This is the truth of being an actor. Your job is to audition. Your job is to show up and for that five minutes or three minutes or 15 or 20 minutes, sometimes be that character and bring that writer's work to life so they can see what your soul would express about it. And bless yourself and those people with that experience, and then leave. You're done. The job part is not up to you. That's the making of a salad. You know, they're making a salad, and and is it rutabagas or radishes? We don't know what's going to fit best in their salad. They're both delightful, and it's not it's not you're not saying rutabagas are terrible if they don't end up in your salad. They're just not right for this salad. Don't take it personally. Don't take anything personally, really. But. All right. So for how to start. Well, (laughs) now that you mentioned it, (laughs) I, I built something this year that I'm so incredibly proud of and so incredibly excited about it. And I shouldn't say I built it because (laughs) Bill, our partner is the developer and he did all the building. Um, It was, it's my idea. I had this idea, God, two and a half years ago. I was in LA. I was auditioning as we do for our career. Auditions were things that were happened mostly from home even before the pandemic and I found myself auditioning in a void and I just wanted to reach out for 10 minutes or five minutes with someone whose opinion I trusted you know and I I've done you know classes and training are important and wonderful but this wasn't what I needed I needed someone just to coach me for five or ten minutes and tell me am I on am I off am I doing an old bad habit or have I got this because we do live in the void. And when we do a great audition, here's what we hear back. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and yeah. So I came up with this idea and I searched around LA a little bit and couldn't find anyone to build it. And I thought, oh, well. And then last year, first, we, uh, like first week of August, I was at a barbecue at my sister's house um, and I'm, she introduced me, to, as she does, she's got an eye for these things, to a friend of hers who is a developer and he builds sites it's what he does and i told him he also loves our world he enjoys like games and you know voice acting like he he knows this world a bit and i told him about this idea i had and we spent we pulled my sister in cuz she's got the organizational brain and she can she can tame my squirrel it's like oh that she's like no focus but what about <laughs> that no focus you know and and put it down okay um and we spent 11 months building Skills Hub, and the URL is acting.skillshub.life. And the initial idea came out of my need for guidance for auditions as a working actor. And then we realized we did over 50 plus beta tests with individual one-on-one hours and hours and hours of one-on-one work. Bill would go build stuff, and then he'd sit down with somebody and he'd be like, "Oh." And we have actors divided into three levels. There's level one, which is brand new people, brand new people who just want to know how. Level two, which is people who've done it a bit, but haven't really fully broken in in the way they want to. And level three is people who are working actors and been doing it a long time and just need that like hit of coaching, um, that bit of feedback, or they want to expand their career into a whole new area. Like they've never done audiobooks and they want to kind of add that to their portfolio and they can get some coaching about how to do that. We realized really quickly that there's a lot of people to take care of and to help in the level one area. So we have built up a lot of our level one stuff. And the way it works for new people is you go on Skills Hub. You it's a it's a membership site. It's like twelve ninety nine US a month. Um, and for that you get you get access to all the coaches. But we felt it was really important to make a site where what you get even if you are not ready for actual coaching yet has a lot of value. So I'm sitting down doing interviews with each of our coaches called a minute with and these interviews are they're longer than a minute. <laughs> they're like 15, 20, 25 minutes long. And I get to ask all these questions like okay, what has you stop and listen to an actor's whole take when you're listening to auditions or what do you wish actors would stop doing or what's the difference in what books and what doesn't? You know all these kind of great questions we want to know, right? Because we have our coaches are casting directors, voice directors, you know, AAA actors, working people who have been doing this for decades. And they work for DreamWorks, Disney, Cartoon Network, Activision, Blizzard, like LucasArts, you name it. They work for them. And um, and you can get 10 minutes with them. So if you're brand new, go in there and book a session with one of our level one coaches and say, I don't know how to start I need 10 minutes with you to tell me what to do. And they will make a recipe for you that works for you personally. And I what I do is I give homework. I say, read out loud five minutes a day. And this is for anybody. Take this with you. If you want to do voice acting, for example, read out loud five and if you know any kind of acting, actually. Read out loud five minutes, take set aside five minutes. Read for one minute of nonfiction, like news, instruction ingredients on the back of a cereal box, whatever. Read it for five, for one minute, listen back to it. Then find some fiction, a story, a kid's book, anything that's nearby. Doesn't matter if you've read it before or not. It's even better when you haven't because cold reading is an important skill, especially for games and listen to it back. And when you listen back, you're going to need a lot of listens to get past the sound of your own voice. So just do that. Because only when you get past, like, oh my god, it sound like that, oh my god, it sound like that, can you actually listen for what you're doing? You know, am I paying attention? Am I hitting all the acting basics? You know, we're building out guides and um, maps for people in the site. So we have our the minute with series interview, we've built this thing that I'm really excited about. And I'm re I'm going to actually reach out right now through this this interview to anyone who is making anything and a a little radio show or a, a radio drama or a an indie game or an indie an animated show or anything where you need actors. We have created a thing called the Opportunity Board on our site and it is 100% free for developers. You do not have to be a site member to post your project on our Opportunity Board. Come in, it is 100% free, put your project up, so that our actors who are new can come in and have a place to audition. You know, find some people who work for your project. And that's, it's not the union stuff, right? It's not the big films and all that. It's just the new project. It's the Wild West. It's the fun, creative soup where you guys can connect because that's what Skills Hub is, is a connection point.
1: Yeah, that's that's really awesome. It's really cool, yeah. Like reducing the barrier to, barrier to entry for so many people because like, I know that a lot of people just have that idea like, okay, yeah, I want to do something, but like get discouraged by thinking like, no, um, this is too hard, I don't know where to start.
2: Yeah, that, that's one of our primary um, objectives is to break down barriers to increase inclusiveness. We have this thing called the Casting Corner where actors on the site can opt in to participate in the casting corner and if they do that they will choose to identify themselves by, by what they feel are their primary ethnic identifiers, their orientation identifiers, their gender identifiers um, and that'll go into a bank and access to the site for people who, who hire actors is free. So any casting person can come in at any time and let's say they need, they need a trans-Pacific Islander for a particular project and now One of the things that's so incredible is that I will never play a trans character again. I will not do it. I've done it in the past when people weren't actively seeking that level of authenticity. We didn't know it was possible, right? Now it's incredible and I'm so excited because they're gonna go find a human being who is this human being. And what we wanna support and facilitate is that casting people can find that. So when they come to our site, they're going to come in and anybody will come in. Like if they need someone from Zambia, they're going to say, all right, I need someone who actually is from Zambia, actually knows and understands this experience and speaks this way. Um, oh, my God, there's someone right there. And they but they've never worked a job. Well, we have a thing on the site we've built called a skills tracker, and we track every training session of someone does on an acting skill. And they the casting director can look and see, oh, wait, they did a half an hour training with Jennifer. They did, four, twenty minutes of training with this person, forty-five minutes of training with this person. Okay, you know, and training with these other people. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask them for an audition. They're worth my time. So we're hoping to break down barriers, both you know, geographically, all over the place. Yeah,
0: that's that's really good. That's really good to hear because I know like uh, that's something which. Um, I guess access is something which a lot of creatives here feel is the biggest barrier, uh, especially for media, which isn't um, locally, lo- uh, media, which isn't locally financially viable yet. Right. Like say video games, for example. Right. Yes. But if something like that, if an opportunity like that arises, they can now like, um, like that's a gateway like to, 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 gain gain experience or actually work on something it could be a small indie game or a small role in a big game it's something and it's it's it it suddenly opens up it's no longer a dream it's no longer like oh i have to like move to south africa or i have to move to the states to finally become a voice actor Uh, and then you know it's not like you move there and become one or be successful anyway so like most people just be like i wish i could do that but because of where i live i just can't and i just will never pursue it but with something like that at least it gives them an opportunity to um to try it like it's no longer blocked so i think that's really really good
2: i love that and i you just prompted the thought in me which is that and the flavor of those creations are going to be a broader voice when everyone has to move to la or new york or you know atlanta or chicago or something you know Toronto to pursue their visions it all takes on the flavor of those places and what if they could happen in Zambia and they keep the flavor of where you are and that flavor becomes a voice on the world stage as well
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly um it's cool that you say that because like the recent podcast we just did was with a Chinese game developer and she mentioned how like like she works in indie publishing and the games that she mentioned were when she said they were very chinese were like yeah okay what does that mean and then like it's a game called cultivation simulator and if you look at it it is <laughs> it is extremely chinese like in in, <laughs> in 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 like culturally and like spiritually and like even the way mm-hmm. the the um
1: Mechanically,
0: yeah, like it's extremely Chinese, but that's so fascinating to me because it's like we are not seeing that because we just don't have access to it. Like, and imagine, yeah, imagine how many more different awesome things there'll be if we like have South American games and like,
2: you know,
0: like, yeah,
2: we're going to be building out new verticals. A vertical, uh, I had to learn this term is like an area of focus. Like our first area of focus is for actors, right? Uh, We do, uh, we're growing our on-camera side this fall. We're primarily, you know, huge focus on voice acting and skills hub. But I think our next vertical is gonna be devs. And I envision conversations like connecting people in North America who are indie, really successful indie game studios with baby creators in, in Zambia or China or wherever to connect them in kind of a mentor almost capacity. That's what our, we have fireside chats and that's what our fireside chats are for is to to pass on information and to give people that that insight and that kind of inside information that helps them. Awesome,
0: awesome. I feel like I've asked a lot of questions so I'll let Robin ask if he has anything <laughs> as well. I don't want to hog the. Yeah,
1: you see for me, my interest of course it's a games-focused podcast, and while Dennis, De- Dennis usually thinks big, for me, my interests are actually usually on like the smaller things. So, like an example, the type of thing which makes me curious: what games do you like to play? What do? You, what are your favorites? What genres? You know, those, those little nuggets are the things which really interest me.
2: I think it's it's widely known that I suck at playing games. <laughs> I don't play. Um, I Number one, it's a time thing. I spend so much time doing them and working and stuff that in my free time, I need to get outside or I'll go crazy. Also, I'm a mom. I'm a single mom. And uh, so that's a huge focus for me. But I will say that when Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart came out, I, I got a code for it, which I was over the moon and so grateful. And we don't own a PS5, but my nephews do. So I carted my kid over to uh, his cousin's house and uh, sat with him for a while while he played Rift Apart and I got to see it. And it was, it was, it's one of the first games. He's only 11, right? one of the first games I've done where I was like, here, play my game. I've never (laughs) done that to him. I have never done that to my child in his whole life. So I was like, hey, sorry, I'm going to be this way about this game because I adore this game so much. And he's like, oh yeah, this is good. I was like, oh my God, my kid likes it. (laughs) So, um, and then once uh, Tom Bissell, who is, God, he's a lovely human being, really great guy and a brilliant writer. Um, At the time he was, uh, he wrote a, piece for the New Yorker. This was several years ago. Oh, and I read
0: that. That was a really good piece. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was a profile that he did on me, which I was very honored. And you know, it's one of those things where I could show my I have a lot of parents, but the ones that are left I could show my parents and go, see, it looks like a real job. Um, <laughs> and, and um and for that profile I had to I had to play Mass Effect 2 for an hour, which was excruciating because when we play, when we record Those, I'm flying blind and it's cold reading. I did not see the script ahead of time, which is true. I mean, nowadays it's down to about 85% of the time, 90% of the time. I don't see the script ahead of time, I just don't. And so it's cold reading. So I'll walk in that booth. The script is right there and it used to be a paper so I could kind of read ahead, but we stopped killing trees. So now it's all virtual. So I'm at the mercy of the engineer scrolling forward for me to see my lines. So I might see them, 20 seconds before I do them a couple of times and then they go out to market. <laughs> wow. And I'm dip- I'm dip- that's why the reading out loud thing, what we call cold reading, read something you've never read before, it's an important skill and just to back up to that for a second, it's this concept I call a dollar a day. Yeah, it's not my concept. It's I think Jeff Olson from The Slight Edge or maybe some ugh, there's so many wonderful mentors out there. Voice directors are, to me, the unsung geniuses of gaming, like Robin, this is for you. They are the ones who guide the flavor of a game. And and we had on that, on Mass Effect, we had Chris Borders, Jenny McSwain, Caroline Livingstone. Those were the directors that I worked with, and I'm extremely dependent on them when I go in there. And we had an incredible meeting when we started Mass Effect where Mac Walters, the lead writer, showed up and walked us through like okay this is the game this is what's happening this is the story arc but i might record something that happens in the middle of the game bounce back to something in the beginning go back to two-thirds of the way through the game like in five minutes so i'm extremely dependent on the director to go okay this is where you are this is who you're talking to this is what just happened and oh and in those are all acting questions that you need to know as an actor right? And in addition this is how noise you know am i talking like this or am i talking like this or am i talking like this you know am i am i having a one on one moment or uh, is there a lot of noise and it's is there now this is important is there a lot of noise and it's one person or is there a lot of noise and it's like 50 people you know like that's really important distinctions to know and that's all from the voice director
1: voice director Mm, yeah, you know, it, that's it's actually interesting because like uh, the concept of a voice director voice direction it, you, you are right when you think about it it's so important because you know I've heard like you know I don't mean this as, as a slight to any of your peers but you know talented voice actors with maybe uh, with you know says hey that's not that great so it's probably maybe it's the Key that the voice director does a good job to make sure that the talent is really brought up.
2: Oh, directors are critical. I'll watch movies. Sometimes you can see it in film. If you don't, if it's not as obvious in games, think back to films, right? When you watch a film or a TV series where literally every actor on there hits is pitch. Perfect. Like they're just even the background. is It just don't works. That's the director. And then when you watch a movie where some of the actors are great and some of the actors are like, oh boy, the director <laughs> does not have their eye on that. They've got their eye on something else, you know, or the casting director. They're not able to sync up in a way that that brings that forth,
0: you know. So I have a quick question around that. So like with something like, say, Metal Gear, right, which did like, say, four, which has just crazy lines right like just crazy lines and a crazy storyline how do you like is it is it the director telling you okay uh naomi hunter is now with snake and she's like she's talking to him calmly but she wants to like give him like is there a storyboard like how do you
2: how do you figure that out the, the single most important anchor point in that in the entire metal gear library And I have a couple characters in Metal Gear was Chris Zimmerman. Chris Zimmerman is responsible for, to me, in my opinion, much of the tone of modern gaming and therefore a significant piece of the tone of modern pop culture that came out of the games world. She has directed, I mean, some of the most incredible projects. I mean, many, 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 we worked together on Metal Gear, Ratchet and Clank, um, God of War. What was the one? Uncharted. Um, like she's just, she's extraordinary. So to answer your question directly, Chris is our anchor point. She guides us. She's got literally physically sitting when we all, before the pre-pandemic times, she'd be sitting in the booth behind the glass with her button, you know, her finger on the button to talk to us, the talk back button. Behind her is the team. And there, or on Skype or something, they're all there in her ear. All these people going this and this and this and this and this detail, and she takes it all. And as a funnel, is the gateway to communicate to us the actor exactly what to do. That I'm is with her. Yeah, she's extraordinary.
0: That is crazy. I feel like that needs like more. I don't know, it like, does. like, oh, for something yeah. like say a Metal Gear, which first of all it's getting translated, and then oh my goodness, like.
2: Well, it needs far more respect than it gets. I mean, that's actually, that's one of the things to circle back to skills hub for a second. I'm so honored and proud that we have some of the top voice directors out there who many of whom also cast as our coaches, like they know how it all works. And some of them coach level ones. It's it's like, it's insane to me. <laughs> the opportunity is sitting right there and it's virtual. So anyone anywhere can, can jump in and just get a, a hit of that experience and let it propel them forward. Yeah, voice directors and writers, to me, well, everybody behind the line, producers, they're just brilliant. They're so amazing at what they do. And they're people see the actors and hear the actors. But it's all those other people that make this happen so brilliantly.
1: There's something that uh, you mentioned about everything being virtual. And that brings a thought to my mind. Something I wanted to ask about is uh, the effect of you know the pandemic with when it comes to like uh, stuff yeah
2: it's it's been really interesting i um it's been challenging i've had to learn a lot more technical skills <laughs> I had to, like i i have a mac mini that i record off of into um an apollo twin you know that goes into my mac mini and then i've got my microphone and then my separate camera etc so i can interface face to people but the great thing about the Mac Mini is that unlike a laptop, the fan doesn't kick on as much. This is just an example of the quote unquote technical stuff. I have everything from dealing with my own levels, my own input levels when I record, which I just remembered to check now, um, dealing with my own input levels when I record to like, last week i was working and my fan kicked on my mac mini and that never happens but i figured out a hack to go around it i take giant ice packs which sweat as they get warmer so i wrap them in very thin dish towels and then put those inside plastic bags and i create a sandwich of two of those around my mac mini and then i drop a towel on it so the temperature in the surrounding materials is bringing the temperature of the mac mini down but the towel is suppressing the noise but all the ice packs keep my mac mini from overheating and then my camera which is a you know fancy little camera but it, it's grumpy and it'll shut down if it gets too hot so now i have a, a tiny kids baby kids washcloth that i wrap it in an ice pack in and then i put that inside of a wax bag that won't leak sweat and i have two rubber bands that i stick on the back of my <laughs> 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 because noise like i can't have fans they're too noisy right so i mean it Obviously, those are little fun examples of technical things you've had to figure out. But I know for me, when the pandemic started, I was in l a, and my sister's up in um, British Columbia. And I just had a very powerful intuition, and i I listen, I've learned the hard way over the years to listen to my intuition. And I you know, for people out there who who wonder about is it intuition or self-doubt, Start to figure out the difference between your intuition and your mind chatter, because intuition is gold. It's really, really gold. Um, My intuition told me to get out. And it literally on the 16th of March said, get out now, like, like hardcore. It had been going, go ahead on out. And I was like, yeah, when I figure it out, go ahead, go ahead. And on that Monday, it was like, get out. And I was like, ah, okay." So I bought a ticket to B.C. to just go visit, which ended up um, two days later, the Canadian government closed the border to all but citizens. And so I got my act together very, very quickly because my ticket was for the next day. And um, I had been kind of prepping to eventually move up to B.C. anyway. And in one day bolted. And um, it was over the course of three days, but that last day was quite something. Moving one's banking and legal and all that stuff in a day is a thing. So bolted up here and then um, you're recording space nowadays. This is something specific to everybody. The space that you record in is important. It's important that it be shielded from much outside sound. So number one, private. People don't come in and out unless you ask them to. Number two, the quality of the room. If it's just a hard room with hard walls, it's gonna be very bouncy and hollow. And you can get around that with thumbtacks and towels. Honestly, it changes the quality of your room like that. I have worked in hotel rooms by shoving my microphone between two couch cushions and putting a blanket over my head. And my laptop shoved up in front of me. Like I've worked that way, right? But here, I actually wouldn't audition for the first several weeks because I knew that it wasn't just me being auditioned, it was the sound of my space. And how I, what I was dealing with was a 1970s house with no insulation between rooms, which, for audio, that's important. You know, having sound insulation from room to room. And um, so I, I took, I ripped up carpet strips and and used screws to put those into the wall. And then I took furniture pads and I, I screwed those, which when you put a screw through a furniture pad, it starts to go and spins up all the fabric in the furniture pad. Because of, so I learned this hack where I took duct tape and I made a square of duct tape in the corner of the thing. And I pre-poked a hole through the duct tape so it wouldn't do the catch all the fabric and spin it up thing. Mm-hmm. So I screwed the furniture pads around in a circle and that's where I worked for a while, but it leaked sound like crazy. You know, if my neighbor had a leaf blower out, forget it, you know and so the first thing i did before i did anything for my kid and i in terms of our living space like we were fine we had shelter and a working toilet and a working kitchen um, in a nice neighborhood which was very lucky and the first thing i did was rip out two bedrooms downstairs and for those of you building a studio i'll kind of briefly sketch out the process for reworking a space tore off the existing drywall and the walls inside that of course are empty stuffed them full of something called sole, which is like a soundproof um, mm. kind of insulation thing. Whatever, wherever you are, just stick old fabric in there. Something that's not too tight, because if you pack it super tight, it's going to actually conduct sound, but a little bit loose. Just cheap insulation is the best, honestly, because it stops the sound waves. Really good insulation will actually conduct sound because it's too tight, oh, it's nice. too packed down, it's a hard surface, essentially. Mm. So I stuffed the walls full of insulation, put the drywall back, I pulled the ceiling down too. So my poor brother-in-law He has has this way of talking where he'll go, you know, and that means if you're gonna do it right, and he would (laughs) say, and he'd worked so hard. He and my nephew's helping me rip all this stuff out. And I look up at the ceiling because it's the lower floor of a house, like halfway underground. And I look at that ceiling and I just think of people walking upstairs and the noise from upstairs. I looked at my brother-in-law and I said, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so we tore down the ceiling and stuff that stupid thing full of rock cell, which I never want to see Roxel again. And then we put it, then the, I finally got a professional who would come in and in the pandemic and put up what's called resilient channel, which is this, um, basically there's these long things that you can, they, they hang down from the ceilings just slightly and you put the drywall on them. So the drywall is not hugging the, um, the joists above you. So, okay. So you got the stuffing, this, whatever we want to stuff the walls with insulation, old towel, whatever. And then you've got your drywall is put up. And then there's this wonderful stuff that you can get in North America. I don't know where where you can get it other places. It's called green glue. It's basically a glue that never dries. If you could find a substance that you can put on your drywall that never dries, and then you put another sheet of drywall on top of that, and that's just another place for sound waves to go to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you got you got your, your outside wall, your insulation, your first layer of drywall, the green goop or whatever you want. Green glue is what it's called. And then, you know, some kind of subs, gluey substance that never dies. It always stays goopy because if you touch it after you put it on, when it eases out of the walls, I have a few shirts with stripes of sticky. It's like sap, <laughs> you know? And then your final layer of drywall right so i did that around this whole space i took out the windows and replaced them with laminated windows which is really just a fancy way of saying a pane of glass with like a plastic coating on either side of each pane of glass another place for sound to go to die and then inside that i built a double walled sound booth with all those same precautions on both sides of all the walls so this place is it's as tight as you can get it it's that not is, perfect. It's, yeah, it's super like if somebody we're remodeling the whole house, but and if they're like pounding on the rafter close to here, okay, that's gonna come through. There's just no way around it. But my neighbors can leaf blow all day and this is what you hear. It's awesome. They can mow their lawns ten feet away and it's like wonderful. <laughs> so, that is intense that, that's, cool. <laughs> yeah. that's cool. That's cool. That's That'd actually be really a, cool. Yeah, that's another thing we put on um on the site last week, was, uh, uh, not last week, but we put on the site that's super important on Skills Hub. We have a whole area for technical stuff. There's an incredible guy named Randy Coppinger. Randy, I've worked with Randy for decades, and he's a glorious, brilliant, kind, generous man who knows all this tech stuff. And you can book 10 minutes with him and just go, what do I do? And he'll he'll fire hose you with information just go, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I can work on this for a month. Thank you. You know. (laughs) That is
0: great. I wanted to ask like one more question. Uh, So what is it like when like, um, let's say, I don't know, Mass Effect 2 has come out and you're going to like your first convention. What was it like going to a convention and just seeing the fervor around the franchise and around like femship what was it like seeing um because i'm a big mass effect fan it's like seeing Aww. um bioware use femship for the remasters for the legendary edition as like she's the forward-facing like you know like i for me that was a big deal <laughs> i i don't know how i can explain how much of a big deal that is to Aww. non-mass effect fans but like Seeing her it, be the face for the franchise going forward, that was like, what was is, what is that like? Uh,
2: did you see the video where I watched the trailer?
0: Yes, yes, yes. I, did. I, I do follow you on Twitter, obviously. So okay.
2: <laughs> that, that's what it was like for me. Uh, for fan, people who don't know the franchise and haven't seen it, a um, little bit of backstory. Let's see. Well, to answer both questions, going to conventions where Mass Effect fans are is incredible. That community it's just a phenomenal vibe it, the people are beautiful and the the experience is incredible and the depth that this game has touched people is is, is glorious it's astonishing it's it's such a, an honor it's like i'm not kidding it's an honor to have stepped into a role where i got to break gender barriers to have stepped into a role where we got to break inclusion barriers and representation barriers is is incredible and i my entire life like from the from the day i can remember everyone matters everyone mm. <laughs> everyone matters and to i've lived my life to honor the things that i think are important and inclusion of all peoples is something that I think is important. So I always saw myself as someone who understood. I was like, oh, I know what representation means. I understand that, I sure do. And then I realized on that day when I saw that Mass Effect trailer, I understood it intellectually, but I didn't get it in the rest of me. And when I saw that trailer, something in my gut, and as we've already touched on, I I do what my gut says, no matter how uncomfortable, um, said, record this moment when I watched that trailer. And I was like, what? Oh, God. So, okay. Uh, so I grabbed my phone and I made this video of me watching the Mass Effect trailer and I, I, I was just blown away because FemShep was all over it. And I, when we made the first, when we first made Mass Effect, it was always BroShep. You know, it was, it was Mark's avatar and, and all that in the marketing and I adore Mark. I love that man. He's so brilliant and he's really, he really is. He's a lovely, talented, incredible human being. I adore him. And um, so I didn't begrudge it at all, but it was always like, oh yeah, I'm so used to that world. I've been in this business since I was a teenager. I'm used to being marginalized as a female. I'm used to it. And I was just like, yep. And every bit of progress I make is just a happy cookie along the way, right? Um, And so to see that trailer, it just got me, and I didn't even know why it got me until after I tweeted it. I wish I could remember his name. Someone on Twitter responded and, and retweeted it and said, this is what representation looks like. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I was feeling. I thought I knew, but I didn't. Now I know. Now I know. Yeah, it was yeah.
0: beautiful. Yeah, just to, um, something similar, like, you know, Black Panther was big around the world, but here, Okay, like I'm, I'm a big movie buff and stuff like I, I, I've been going to the cinema for a long time here and Black Panther, when it came out here, was sold out all the sessions, all the screens for weeks and it was like Ugh. people were going in like, you know, like the traditional outfits, like all ages, yes. kids oh. to like, oh you my know, God. and it, I've never seen anything like it. I don't know, like Robin, did you come to... cinemas this it was really incredible i've never seen anything like it oh you went back there man like it was and you know like even watching it like um you know hearing the 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 in like some of like the because we can tell like the authentic dialect stuff like hearing Mm -hmm. that and like seeing some of the shots which were shot here it's it's hard to explain, but you just feel it, you know, <laughs> like, you're like, Athlete. yes, that's that's like, it's cool to see a, a superhero yes. that looks like me, you know, it's, it's really have cool. It.
2: You know, in the past, I would have listened to you, Dennis, and I would have said, yes, I know what you mean. Oh, and I just am gobsmacked. At now what I see, it wasn't arrogance, because it wasn't intentional, but it was ignorance. Like, I thought I knew, but I didn't know. But now that I know, like, it's, it's a very humbling to listen to you, because I go, I do. I do, I do have an experience of that, and man, that I hope somebody made a made. I want, like, I want to see those videos of that. I want someone to post that. I want to have a Black Panther Day where we see all the videos around the world of like this is what it was like when that was. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I wish, I wish we, we took videos of it because it was quite remarkable. Like, it's. I don't think we'll ever see that again, to be honest. It was, it was really something else. Like people who don't watch movies like people who don't care like they they cared and they were like this is and then when they saw the movie like it wasn't like the movie did a bad job they they did a good job and that was like satisfying and it's like
2: yeah
0: i wish there was more of that you know it's it's super
1: important
2: (laughs) yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful oh my god i could talk to you guys all day delightful
1: (laughs) my final question is not a question but more compliment, just got and done with you. Said, you know, when Dennis came when Dennis, when Dennis came to me, he, you know, I was excited, and because I knew this is my chance to say, that your performance as Rivet was like, wow, it was really <laughs> was really wow, wow it was really really good, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is my chance to just. I've got a chance. I can just tell her straight up that hey, look, your performance in Rivet was, as Rivet was really good, and
2: yeah, that's it. Just <laughs> j-
1: just want to compliment on thank that you. on that performance. That's it. That
2: means so much. It was. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done, and that game is so special to me. It means a lot to hear. Thank you so much, Robin, and thank you, Dennis. And I want to invite everybody to please come seek us out at acting.skillshub.life. I am on there coaching. I don't have a ton of time right now, but I do put time on the calendar and I wanna get you guys connected with your dreams. I wanna get you connected with what you need to take the next steps in, in, in the things that you love. So thank you so much, you guys.
0: Yeah. okay thank you so much for <laughs> for it's accepting delightful. to do I this, you guys. this <laughs> you pretty funny. I, please like, stay
2: in touch yeah please stay in touch um, i'm a, i'm at jhale tweets on twitter at jhale gram on instagram and uh, please like hit me up after this because i want i'm going to follow you and i want to see how you are for all this good stuff to come through so don't inter- don't screw up the channel just show up and have a good time sure sure Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just sitting here ugly crying because I'm just so moved. <clears throat> I just, I've been watching this trailer for the legendary edition of Mass Effect over and over and FemShep's on it Then it's amazing. <laughs> and listen, huge shout out to Mark, you know I love you. Just, this is beautiful and I'm so grateful. You guys are the best, and to be a part of this is the greatest thing in the world, and I'm so grateful. BioWare, thank you, fans. Thank you so much. It's just so beautiful. It's very moving. I just want to share that I'm ugly crying because it's so cool. <laughs> Have a good one.